Today's episode of The Outside World is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oklahoma Sooner tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download the Game Time app in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room and the best man wins and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Another edition of the outside world starts right now, this time after a Sooners Loss. I'm John Hayes. Jason Kersey joins me as always here on the show. Jason, can the Sooners still make the playoff? Can they still make the playoff, John? Yes, they can, and they have before when they've lost uh, games earlier in the season. I don't quite, though, agree with some of the you know some of the national takes that I've seen because. Um, that, that that suggests that the idea that they lost this game, you know, isn't a, uh, a serious blow to their playoff hopes. And and the reason why I think that is because this the committee doesn't just look at final scores. They have been on record many times as they watch these games, they break down these games, and this game, John, was an ass kicking. I don't I I don't uh, care about the final score. It was an ass kicking. Um, Kansas State outscored Oklahoma between the the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter, forty-one to six. I mean, this game was not as close as the final score indicates. Um, yeah, maybe the the final onside kick should have gone to Oklahoma. As I, you know, at first I didn't really think that, but as I've watched it, I, I think maybe it should have. But even then, there was no guarantee they were going to score. Oklahoma had just gone down and had to settle for a field goal right before that. So it's not like this offense was operating at its highest potential. Um, the two star running backs got six total carries. I mean, we're you you, you look down the there and and then you know I haven't even said yet uh, the thing that I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, and it's Alex Grinch's defense got exposed yesterday in a way that I think shocked everybody. So um, yes, they can still make the playoff. Of course, they can still make the playoff. But if you look, you know, if you look at what's in front of them. Uh, the, the the other thing I would say, sorry, I'm I'm kind of rambling here, but uh, the other thing I would say is that uh, the the last two times that Oklahoma made the playoff after a loss, first of all, those losses were earlier in the season than this one was. Uh, tech, the uh, it was uh, twice to Texas and once to Iowa State, and those were in early October as opposed to late October. And also, Oklahoma in both those years. Uh, or in all three of those years, had a strong November where they could pile good wins on top of good wins to rise back up in the rankings. 
This year, their November schedule, they have Baylor, which looks like it'll probably be undefeated by the time they play them. But Iowa State, um, you know, has three losses. They play them in, in two weeks. Uh, Oklahoma State has three losses. And then who are they going to play in the Big 12 championship game that's going to be impressive unless it's Baylor uh, for a second time? I mean, I, I and so it just doesn't strike me as the normal, uh, sexy, impressive November schedule that OU has had in the past that has allowed them to elevate. Well, last year, I think you can look at that Big 12 championship game and you can think about Texas and, and that win giving Oklahoma a massive bump and, in my mind, getting them into the college football playoff. Texas is not doing Oklahoma any favors this year. No. Frankly, you're just, you're just not going to get the same bump from beating a, a Baylor in the, in the Big 12 championship game as you would a, a good Texas team. And, and unfortunately, uh, Jason, I don't like that by any stretch of the imagination, but I've come to understand that that's how college football works. Perception matters. Beating a, a program like Texas compared to a program like Baylor that's been off the map for the last three or four years, uh, name rec- recognition is important. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. I, I guess I could see a scenario where um, OU beats well, see, that that's the other thing. I'm sitting here. Sorry, John, I'm working this out in my head as we're sitting here talking. But, like, if Oklahoma beats Baylor uh, November 16th when they play in Waco, which is no guarantee. I, mean, I think I've been on the record on this podcast as saying I thought they were going to yes, lose that game. So, uh, but, but let's just say they win that game. Well, then that knocks Baylor. That puts Baylor at one loss. A one-loss Baylor, the committee's not going to rank them very high, even if that's their only loss. And then beating them in the Big 12 championship game won't give them the same boost um, because they would have just beaten the same team twice as opposed to avenging a loss. You know what I mean? And so, but if they lose that game to Baylor, they're out no matter what happens the rest of the way. So their schedule is just not set up as nicely as it has been in the past for them to get back into it, especially when you consider that LSU and Alabama both look really good. Um, that game in a couple weeks, uh, when two is back, if if one of those teams wins by a touchdown or three points or something, and then the other team doesn't lose again, that other team's probably getting in the playoff above Oklahoma because that loss will be seen as much more quality loss than a loss to a Kansas State team that, yeah, is five and two, but uh, you know has ugly losses to Baylor and to Oklahoma State. Um, so I, you know, I, I guess the only way that that this really shakes out in their favor maybe is if Kansas State wins out, Baylor collapses a little bit, and somehow they get a rematch with Kansas State in the Big Twelve title game. But I don't really know that that can happen either. I just was talking to our colleague uh, Andy Staples about about Oklahoma, and I told him I was going to start uh, on the show with you today talking about Oklahoma's playoff chances uh, with that loss against Kansas State and and Andy responded and and Jason he said I bet if they win out they're in Uh, everyone assumes everyone will be undefeated it never works that way he's not the only guy um, that we know uh, who covers college football who who thinks Oklahoma still has a shot and a good one right no I mean I I think that um you know our our colleague and and um Boss, my boss, Stuart Mandel, uh, has been on Twitter saying that uh, he doesn't think that OU's uh, was dealt a, a fatal blow yesterday or a, a bad blow yesterday. And I would never, ever speak ill of my boss, Stuart Mandel. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just think that what happened yesterday was, was, uh, 
it just felt different. It, it, it felt different, and then it also feels different because of the way that the Big 12 has shaken out. I mean, man, Oklahoma State beating Iowa State yesterday was was really bad for Oklahoma because Iowa State was ranked with two losses, but they're on a little bit of a winning streak. If they come to Norman in two weeks and uh, and OU wins that game, maybe that looks a little bit more impressive than it does, you know, for a, for an Iowa State team that played as bad as they did yesterday and lost to an Oklahoma State team that's not very good. And then you think, well, Oklahoma State won, and they've still got them down the road. But Oklahoma State has three losses uh, right now, and they don't look like a particularly impressive team. Um, in fact, if not for some a lot of mistakes by Brock Purdy yesterday, Oklahoma State probably didn't win that game. So. The Big 12 is just not uh, not this, not a very good conference this year. Uh, certainly, as you said earlier, Texas losing um, makes that game a couple weeks ago look a lot less impressive. Um, and, and then the, the other element of all of this is that Oklahoma's non-conference schedule was just atrocious. I mean, Houston has turned out to be uh, not very good. Uh, South Dakota is South Dakota. And then um, uh, UCLA, I, I know they won yesterday, but you know that that's not a very good UCLA team that that's not a particularly impressive win so just nothing about this seems to line up I, I think back to 2015 when OU made the playoff despite losing to a 5-7 and seven Texas team they had a Tennessee victory in the non-conference and at that time Tennessee I think went to a bowl game that year uh, they won in Knoxville which was a good win um uh, you know, 2017, when they uh, recovered from the Iowa State game, they had that Ohio State victory on their resume uh, that, that helped bolster them. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I and then and then last season, they were uh, able to avenge their one loss. They had a good November run through November. So, I mean, just a lot of uh, a lot of factors are just not working in their favor right now. I don't know. What, what do you think, John? Am I crazy here? No, no, I I don't think you're crazy at all. I think you've you've got your your finger on the pulse compared to to a lot of others. Um, I think it's really easy to look at Oklahoma and say that they're they're going to run the table the rest of the way, win the Big Twelve championship, and and be in the running on Selection Sunday. I I, I really do think that's a a legitimate take. But Jason, you've heard me on this show before. I was in that camp. I, I was on the record saying Oklahoma was going to go undefeated. I looked at the schedule. And I didn't see a loss. I didn't see that uh, that run from what is it? We said forty-one to six. Is that that, yeah. that was the run that Kansas State went yeah. on Oklahoma? I mean, I, that it was is like hold on. unacceptable. How could I have ever projected or expected something like that after all of the improvement on the defensive side of the football? Lincoln Riley's offense and all of a sudden you go into the little apple and you and you go on a run like that where you completely fall out of the football game against the team that that Oklahoma should absolutely dominate no I mm -hmm. it's unbelievable well you start uh, so that run starts with 12 12 left in the second quarter um and it was uh a touchdown run by Kansas State, and it ends with Kansas State's final touchdown with 12:54 left in the fourth. Through between those two scores, it was 41 to six, um, and and it was especially bad in the third quarter. Um, Oklahoma only uh, didn't score any points in the third quarter. They they were barely functioning on offense. I mean, 
And, and that's why, uh, you know, and this may lead us into another discussion, but, uh, you know, another thing that I disagree with that a lot of people have said, and this is a lot of people on the OU beat as well have said, is that this loss isn't on the offense, it's on the defense. I don't agree with that. The defense certainly is to blame. They had a bad game um, yesterday, without question. They had a bad game yesterday, and a, a terrible backslide from what they've been doing throughout the season. But Oklahoma's offense, uh, despite the final numbers, despite Jalen Hurts' final stat line, um, did not have a great day. You cannot tell me that it makes any sense that Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon had six combined carries between them. Um, you, you, you can't tell me that it makes any sense um, that, you know, in the first, in the first uh, half, you know, Lincoln Riley twice settled for field goals on fourth and short. Um, and that seems so weird because – Lincoln Riley has been, uh, you know, very aggressive on fourth downs this season. And for some reason, he got really conservative yesterday. And I, and I don't quite understand that. So um, the, the, there were just a lot of things about this game that, that just – it was a total team loss. It was a total team loss. I'm glad you mentioned Lincoln Riley because he sure um, does get – a significant amount of, of praise, uh, not just on this show, but but across the college football landscape, fans, media, people in the business. You know, everybody recognizes the job that Lincoln Riley has done at Oklahoma. That, but that doesn't mean, Jason, that 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 he can't lay an egg. And, and unfortunately, you you talk about those those decisions to take the the, the, the three points instead of of going for it on fourth down and cashing in for touchdowns, which clearly uh, Oklahoma needed at the end of that football game. Uh, three points wasn't going to do anything, just like three points didn't do anything for Auburn against LSU yesterday, but that's a whole different scenario. We can get into the national picture in just a little bit. But not only that, Jason, some of his trick plays were somewhat, in my mind, unnecessary yesterday. I just felt like he got way too cute with the offense. Yeah. He got pass happy. He, he, he's, he's having wide receivers throw passes down the field, and his running backs, like you said, got a total of six carries. What is that? What a bad game plan. It was, and, uh, you know, I, I think about the play that, that ultimately allowed Kansas State to take the lead, uh, to take the lead they'd never give up uh, late in the first half. They call, you know, this reverse pass thing to Nick Basquin, who actually made a nice throw. He, first of all, the guy deep he was looking for wasn't uh, open, and so – he threw it to Charleston Rambo, who should have caught the ball, and, and it popped out of his hands and was intercepted. Now, uh, that's not that in itself is not Lincoln Riley's fault, but the play call was just it just seemed unnecessary. I mean, and, and you know, I asked Lincoln about getting Brooks and Sermon the ball more, and he said, yeah, he thinks he should have got them the ball more. But then he went on this thing about how well we were playing catch up in the second half, but that's not entirely the whole story here. Um, in the first half, uh, you know, Oklahoma led for almost the entire first half. So when you have a 10-point lead in the first quarter, why aren't you giving the ball to your two best, to two of your best offensive weapons? Um, Trey Sermon has been practically non-existent in this offense now for three weeks. And it, it, a lot of this just doesn't seem to, to add up or make any sense. And, um, and then the other thing uh, that, that I think uh, is getting overlooked a little bit, and I, and I, you know, I, I did dug into it a little bit last night when I was rewatching the game um, in my hotel room. But uh, you know, one thing that that has been rightly said is that Jalen Hurts being such a uh, an effective and efficient runner is costing Brooks and Sermon carries, right? And that and that makes sense uh, to a degree. But 
the problem is is that Jalen Hurts has been a little bit fumble prone this year. He's fumbled twice and lost it this year. Yesterday, um, he fumbled, or Saturday, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, Saturday, he fumbled on the third possession of the game. Now, he got it back, but that stopped that first drive, and they ultimately kicked a field goal instead of scored a touchdown on that drive. So Jalen Hurts has fumbled three times this year. Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon have fumbled zero times this year, and last season, they had a combined 304 carries and fumbled once apiece. So that's why you give the ball to your running backs because they are more likely to protect the ball right now. Jalen Hurts is a little bit of a liability with the ball, a little bit of a liability with the ball in his hands. So I think that's something that people need to consider as well. I'll give Jalen Hurts credit, though, for for leading um, Oklahoma at the end of the football game, not giving up. I think the character that the team showed uh, when, when they were out of the football game in the fourth quarter and really didn't have much of a chance to, to make a comeback. They, they, they dug their heels in and, and tried to, to get it done. Uh, I think that Oklahoma de- deserves a little bit of credit for that. But uh, I want to go over to the other side of the football, Jason, and talk about uh, the secondary first, because I think this is an important note when you're discussing this football game and Oklahoma's lack of depth yesterday. I think you take a couple uh, you know, nicks here and there, and for a defense that's been non-existent over the last couple of years, uh, you lose a couple starters and there's no depth. And did we see that play out on the field in real time yesterday? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, let's start with uh, Parnell Motley. I mean, you have a senior cornerback who's one of your most experienced players on defense get ejected for kicking a Kansas State player. I mean, that is just entirely unacceptable. You cannot have one of your senior leaders on defense make a mistake like that. I mean, that was just foolish and, uh, and, and unacceptable. And, uh, you then, but, but then, so that is bad enough, but then you consider that, Oh, you only brought three cornerbacks to Manhattan yesterday. Um, and Alex Grinch likes to rotate. So you had Trey Brown who was, you know, he was his normal self. You have Jaden Davis, who's played really well, and I think is going to be a really good player and is already a really good player, but he's a true freshman. So for the rest of the game, you had those two guys in every snap, and that is not what Alex Grinch wants. Um, so it's a, it, that is concerning that they only had three corners uh, even on this trip. I mean, where was Jordan Parker? Um where were, where where are the other corners? Well, a couple of them have entered the transfer portal, uh, and and it's just sort of a further sign of the lack of depth they have uh, back there that that they're going to have to get fixed through recruiting. Um, and then um, Delaren Turner Yell, who who's been you know really the last few weeks one of their better defensive players, uh, has to leave with with what looked like a concussion uh, based on the fact that they took his helmet away uh, on the sideline. So. Um, then you have to put Justin Broyles in, who has not been as good and, and isn't as good as Delaren Turner Yell. And so all of a sudden, you're down two starters in a, in a unit that is already dangerously thin. I mean, they that is where Alex Grinch's recruiting really has to has to uh, um, it, I don't know what I'm trying to say here has to pick up. I mean, they have to they have to start signing some some big time safeties and corners because they are a little bit behind the eight ball there, and, and they're going to have to um, improve that. And that is a result of, of years of sort of maybe misses in, the, in, you know, in recruiting in those position groups and, and just a lack of development in those position groups. But, um, you know, the Laren Turner yell thing, that's going to happen. Guys are going to get hurt. That, but uh, the Parnell Motley thing is pretty inexcusable, and I, I really can't 
can't believe. I mean, he's a little bit of a trash talker, and you know he he gets a little bit scuffles, whatever sometimes. But what he did yesterday was just foolish. For the fourth consecutive game, Oklahoma failed to get any takeaways. Uh, we've talked about that on the pod about that being a trend we didn't like to see. So I think Jason, this can go one or two ways moving forward, and that is: is this defensive performance an outlier? on the 2019 schedule or do things maybe get a little bit worse from here do these injuries start to pile up do the, the do the lack of takeaways continue and does the defense cost Oklahoma uh, another football game before the, the Big 12 championship or, or even in the Big 12 championship and the reason why I ask you that is because um, as well as the defense I think this team uh, does it have a better chance? And I think this is a very, very specific question, and, and I hope it's a difficult one for you because it's meant to be. Does this team have a better chance of running the table or a better chance to lose another football game? Because right now I feel like it, it's a 50-50 proposition. Um, man, it, it is tough. I guess – I guess what I would say is that well, you know one one important point I think is that Kansas State came into this game with a very specific game plan. They wanted to keep the ball away from OU. They wanted to uh, you know hold on to it, drain the clock. They wanted to do all those sorts of things. They wanted to run the ball. I'm not sure the rest of the way that there are necessarily many teams that are going to be able to do that exact game plan to them and, and take advantage of them in that way. Uh, Oklahoma State obviously has Chuba Hubbard, who I think is one of the best players in the country. Um, you know, at the end of November, that could certainly be um, concerning. But I, I don't know necessarily that specifically what Kansas State did will happen again. So it's so um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Baylor's going to be a tough a, a tough problem for for other reasons. I, I you know I don't know. Maybe maybe someone will be able to replicate that. It just seemed like a, a perfect storm yesterday in a lot of ways. And then the other thing we haven't even talked about yet is that OU for the second straight game and for the rest of the season uh, they're going to be missing John Michael Terry, their starting rush linebacker, who uh, I think his presence was was missed out there uh, as well. So I mean, the, uh, you know, and, and then let's go into the takeaway thing. I mean. Yeah, this is four straight games without takeaways. Um, Alex Grinch has never gone four straight games without takeaways. I, last week he said he'd never gone three straight games without takeaways. Um, and, man, could they have used one yesterday. And that was that was a great point that Grinch made yesterday, which is, you know, that uh, you know they've been talking about takeaways and it hasn't cost him a game yet, but it, but it was going to eventually, and it did yesterday. They've got to figure that out. They've got to start getting takeaways. Um there have been a lot of people that I've talked to uh, on the radio or whatever who have said, well, the takeaway thing isn't a big deal. This was last week. The takeaway thing is a big deal. They're playing well. What difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference. For one, the reason we talk about it is because Grinch, that's basically all he's talked about for 11 months. And number two, it was it, there was always going to be a game where it really could have made a difference. Yesterday, even with as bad as they played, you get a takeaway or two, and the whole you know, trajectory of that game may be different. So they've got to figure out how to get that, get that right. And, um, you know, right now I just don't know that they can. I mean, you know, if you've been obsessively working on takeaways now for 11 months and you are, you know, eight games into the season and you can't seem to get that done, 
I mean, does this team just not have it? Does this team just not have the knack for takeaways? I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I want to inject some positivity and some uh, perspective into the discussion today. And, and, and if, if you haven't read Jason's uh, postgame column yet, uh, it's headlined, Forget the Final Margin, Kansas State Dealt a Massive Blow to Oklahoma's Playoff Hopes. If you haven't read that, you can find that um, on theathletic.com. If you're a subscriber, if you're not a subscriber, do yourself a favor and go to theathletic.com slash outside world there. You'll find a link for 40% off your annual subscription. Uh, it's less than a, a latte a month, and, and it's really worth it, uh, especially because Jason does such a great job um, covering the Oklahoma Sooners. And you know, I love reading through the comments on, on your stories, Jason, because it gives me a perspective of what the fan base is thinking, and it gives me a a, a glimpse into what you're you're seeing on a daily basis. And James W., he writes in, Jason, and he says – Grinch took on the biggest rebuilding job of a unit in college football. You don't turn a slum into a mansion overnight. We knew that there would be some bumps in the road. If I had told you a year ago that OU would be in the 20s in scoring and, and total defense in the middle of the season, most people would have said impossible. The future is bright. Recruiting is ticking up. And once we cycle out, some of the older players will be in great shape. That's James. Yeah. Yeah. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And that, and that is an important perspective that people need to remember. They had a stinker of a game yesterday, but even yesterday was still better than a lot of their games late last season. I mean, we're talking about one of the worst defenses in college football and, and James is exactly right. They were never going to get be perfect this year. They're, they're just too thin. There's too many uh, holdovers from the Mike Stoops years. Um, Alex Grinch has done a great job. Uh, we, need, we need to make sure that, uh, that we're saying that because it's the truth. Alex Grinch has done a great job. Um, and one bad game should not uh, negate uh, seven, at least in terms of how we view Alex Grinch. Maybe one bad game is going to cost them in the playoff hunt, and it you know very well may, but one get bad game shouldn't make us forget how much better they're playing. They are playing a lot better, um, and you know, it, I, I guess like I'm more confident coming out of this game that OU can turn it back around and play better the rest of the season than I've than I would have been after a bad game under Mike Stoops. And I heard I sat in many post game press conferences. And listen to Mike Stoops talk about how they were going to turn it around, and listen to those players talk about how they were going to turn it around. And there came a point when I just didn't believe it anymore. Um, and I, I don't feel that way after this game. I mean, I, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the negatives, and there are negatives. Let's be clear about that. There are negatives, but uh, I, I do think it's important to keep in mind that Grinch is still doing a really great job, and uh, the defense is still, even with yesterday, a whole whole hell of a lot better than they were last year. You know what Jalen Hurts is dealing with today? Jason, something that he, he never really does uh, and hasn't as a as a quarterback and college football player a loss. Um, do you know how many losses that, that he's had over his career? Because it's not many. I don't know the exact number, but just like putting a guess on it, I think it's like three or four losses well, in his career. Well, he had two as a starter. 
uh, to because uh, he was twenty six and two. So the two losses as a starter were to Clemson in the national title game, his freshman year. Uh, then he lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl his sophomore year, and then uh, his junior year when he wasn't the starter, they lost uh, the national title game. Right? That was that it last year. Was that their only loss? Yes. So that so three. So this is four. Yeah, this, this is, is four. four. Yeah, so right on the number. So I mean, he's dealing with something this week that that he hasn't experienced a lot um, during his time in, in college football. Uh, he's been the the leader, the the vocal guy, uh, and he's been the the guy who's lead led by example on the field as well. Do you expect him to take it up a notch? Do you think this this loss invigorates him a little bit to to even become a better leader? Because I feel like that's the type of player he is. I don't think he's gonna to go into a shell and hide here down the stretch. No, I I don't think that he will either. Um, I guess the only thing I'd say about Jalen Hurts is that Oklahoma in the past has tended to have a game like this during the season, a game where you just sort of are like, "What the heck just happened? How did they lose that game?" Um, why didn't they show up in this game? And I think our assumption, or my assumption, has been that that was less likely to happen this year. Maybe they would lose, but there wasn't going to be a game where they just failed to show up for large chunks of it. And the reason why I didn't think that would happen is Jalen Hurts. So I'm a little bit – so in that way, I'm a little bit surprised. Um but, but yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a winner. We all know that and agree with that and, and believe that. Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's, a, um, he's still a great player. Uh, he still, you know, was, was very responsible, I think, for, for that comeback yesterday. Um, but, by the way, a guy we haven't even talked about yet uh, is C.D. Lamb. I mean, that's the touchdown that he scored, the 70-yard touchdown, that was all C.D. Lamb. And that is why, like, Jalen Hurts' Heisman hopes may have taken a hit yesterday – College football playoff hopes may have taken a hit yesterday. C.D. Lamb may have bolstered his Bolitnikoff resume with that with that one play yesterday. That was unbelievable. Phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal, and and at a very crucial time as well. Uh, and in, I think if 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 Oklahoma goes ahead and and that onside kick is upheld, and the call on the field stands, then I think they were looking at that play, and we're we're calling it the the biggest play of the football game. Yeah, I mean, it came tw- uh, uh, 22 seconds. He scored 22 seconds after Kansas State scored its final touchdown, the one that put them up 48-23. And when they did that, that was the sort of the bow on that 41-6 to run. And then yes. 22 seconds later, C.D. Lamb catches a little screen and just forces his way down the field and into the end zone. Um, and when that happened, that's when I – thought, well, okay, maybe they're going to be able to come back here because hope they can it gave the Sooners hope. It did. It, they can score fast. They haven't quit clearly, or at least CD lamb hasn't quit. Um, I mean, it was an unbelievable play. He, his two, those two touchdowns in the Texas game. And then this, that touchdown yesterday were three of the best plays of the season. And I mean, the guy is just a freak. He's a first round draft pick. He's one of the best receivers in the country. And, uh, and you know, man, man, oh man, OU is lucky to have him. Yeah, they, they certainly are. And uh, it'll be exciting to see what he can do against, uh, you know, some teams down the scratch stretch. And by the way, um, you know, a game that we really didn't talk about uh, on the, the schedule, on the remaining schedule is TCU. Um, I know that they're, they're coming to Norman, but, but TCU got a nice win over Texas yesterday. Um, they beat Texas in the same fashion that Oklahoma did. And you know, as we wrap up uh, this week's show, 
And I, I know we've talked about Baylor a lot. We've, we've given OK State a, a chance as well uh, since that game is, is in Stillwater. But as I sit here today uh, and I look at the schedule, i got to be honest with you. It just looks different to me. It looks more difficult. Uh, and, and it's funny how a week will do that and a bad defensive performance will do that. But I think you've got to roll with the punches. Um, and, and, you, and, and in this in micro world that we live in, um, I see those final four games as, as a, a really difficult stretch for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I think all of a sudden they are. I think it's uh, it, it's a tougher it, – it definitely appears tougher. And it is funny how that happens. But, I mean, you look uh, at what happened to do you OU. Agree, like, look, do you agree with me on that? Like, do you, are you, do you have that same feeling? Like, I, I don't want to admit it, but, like, we, we sat here last week, Jason, and we talked about, okay, another 52-14 to 14 win over uh, West Virginia. They're rolling. You, you look at Iowa State. You look at Baylor. We talked about Baylor being that maybe that one loss. And I felt like you and I kind of had the same perspective on this football team. Like, do you feel markedly different today? Not just because of the loss, just but because of the way they lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it raised all kinds of questions about the defense. I think it raised questions about Lincoln Riley's play calling. Look, now they they, they have a bye or an open date, whatever you want to call it, this week. And um, I think that they really need to spend some time thinking about their the Lincoln needs to spend some time thinking about his play calling and and uh, and, and the fact that that his running backs were so little used yesterday. And I know I keep harping on that, but I mean that is the sort of thing that can kill them. I um, it's getting too cute like that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, and so you look down the road and TCU is a much more confident team now after beating Texas. Um, you know, Iowa State is dangerous. They won the last time they were in Norman against uh, probably a better OU team. Now, I know Iowa State is coming off a bad loss, but, I mean, you can't write that off. Baylor is going to be tough in Waco. Um, Oklahoma State got itself a, a, a pretty good win yesterday in, in Ames. So maybe by the time that game comes, that, that's a, that seems like a tougher one. And um, so all of a sudden, after yesterday, you feel like – I thought it was a foregone conclusion that OU was going to be in the Big 12 championship game, whether they were undefeated or not. And now you look at it, and I, I, I still think they probably will be. I still think it's much better chance than not that they will be. But it's not as for sure a thing as it was um, at about 11 a.m. yesterday morning. Fair enough, and and frankly, they could be the two seed in, in that Big Twelve championship game, depending what happens on the road uh, in Waco, Texas, against a possibly undefeated uh, Baylor football team. Although that that would give them um, a, a shot to to get in there, and um, they'd have the tiebreaker in that scenario with only one loss. So we'll see. I mean, I I just don't think this Oklahoma team today. Um, is what they th- what I thought they were a week ago, and and when you give up forty eight points on the road to Kansas State, that'll do that. And I'm not an overreaction guy, Jason. I'm not. Um, I've tried to stay level headed. Uh, it took me a while to say, man, this team is really freaking good. I think they can go undefeated and and win a national championship. But it, but it only took forty eight points and 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 an exposure in regards to death depth um, on the road at K State, and and all of a sudden it feels like. This team could be different down the stretch. Okay, we're, we're, we're less than a week away, depending on when you're listening to this, a week away uh, from the first college football playoff rankings um, of the season. You know, I think one thing that uh, Ralph Russo, uh, who works for the Associated Press, one thing that he does, does well is, is put out potential scenarios 
um, up for a debate on Twitter in regards to the college football playoff. But I thought you and I should get on the record today, and we'll also do this next week as well, um, after the open date, just a few days before the the first rankings of the season like well how do you think that it, it plays out nationally right now I think we've done a really good job of dissecting the Oklahoma loss we've done a really nice job of, of looking at the program big picture and there's a lot to discuss and you'll do that on the subscriber only uh, edition of the show the outside world later this week which by the way you can get as well as part of your athletic subscription for 40 percent off go to the athletic.com slash outside world there's plenty of time for for more discussion about oklahoma but right now jason i want to know from from your perspective um who the top four teams in the country are right now and how do you think it ultimately plays out Okay. All right. Um, I think Ohio State is number one after what they did to Wisconsin yesterday after the uh, way that they've played. Ohio State's the best team in the country. Uh, I think LSU is number two based on their resume. Uh, They have a lot of quality wins. I'd probably put Alabama three and Clemson four. That, that, that would be the, the top uh, four for me right now. Um, And how do I think it plays out? Um, Oh boy. As of right now, I, um, Assuming that Alabama LSU is a close game, and this, and by the way, I want to make clear that this is not what I think should happen. Uh, I am a strong believer that you should have to be a conference champion to get in the playoff. I believe that very strongly. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I think you should have to win your conference to get in the playoff. However, I know that those aren't the rules, so I'm not basing this on what I think should happen, but what I think will happen. <laughs> I feel like I should should uh, should make sure and make that clear. Yeah, well um, said. I like that. Uh, I think that I don't know about the order, but I think it'll end up. Uh, I think Clemson will get in. I don't think they, there's any real potential landmines on their schedule the rest of the way, especially after the South Carolina sort of uh, doing what they did against Tennessee yesterday. All of a sudden, that doesn't seem like as big a threat maybe as it did. So I would say Clemson gets in, Alabama gets in, LSU gets in. And Ohio State gets in. I, th- I guess the same four teams that I just listed. I think that's how it. I think that's how it shakes out. Man, it would be a boring season if we get four teams um, and the top four on the first rankings release and, and those four remain the same. And you know what, John, though? It's not going to happen that way because it never does. How many times has Texas A&M been ranked in the top four of the first playoff <laughs> rankings? You know, like I know it's yes. I, I even though I just got done saying these are the top four and this is what it's going to be. I know that that's not what it's going to be. It's just too well, hard let, to predict, man. Let me just say this, though, because. Uh, and I think Oklahoma fans would appreciate this. There's a difference between Texas A&M and the four schools that you've mentioned because the four schools that, that would be in there have actually accomplished something throughout the entire history of the program. You and I both know Texas A&M has not. Oh, Texas A&M, <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> it's always fun to uh, to dog on Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Let's do it for a couple minutes. Texas let's, A&M. Let's do it. Maybe it'll be some stress relief for the Sooner, Sooner fans that are still with us. Do you know what Texas A&M is? They're the What's exact that? same team that they were for 20 years in the Big 12. They are an 8-win team, 9-win team at best, a 10-win team if they have an all-world quarterback like Johnny Manziel. That's what they are. That's what they were in the Big 12. It's what they are in the SEC. It's what they will always be. Uh, you can pay Jimbo Fisher $20 million a year, and he ain't winning you a national championship. It's just not ever going to happen. It just goes to show you can just throw a program into the SEC hype machine, wait a couple minutes, let that machine do its job. You spit out a Texas A&M program on the other side, and all of a sudden people think that program is a, is a 
college football blue blood that's won 10 national championships when uh, instead yeah. you do some research and you realize hmm hmm Texas A&M really never did anything in the Big 12. Interesting. No, they never did anything in the Big 12. They won at one time in an upset in 1998 over a really good K-State team. Um, you know, but that's it. They they never even got back to the Big 12 championship game. Never even got back to the Big 12 championship game. So, uh, Nick, I, I, I am comfortable saying right now, Nick Saban could leave Alabama after this season and go to Texas A&M, and they'd go 8-5 and five the next five years. <laughs> that's what they that. are that is really what they would. are that's what they are it's phenomenal is there anybody else you want to take some pot shots at before we get out of here today <laughs> no i don't think so i i one thing john i i i know we're kind of going back on something but i feel like we'd be remiss if we don't address the onside kick just because okay. ou fans are talking about that so much and i and i feel like they they deserve to at least hear a little bit about that because that is what is on people's minds right now and um you know that that was a that was such a weird play i was on the field in the end zone and so when that happened and I saw you recover it and then they ruled it that, oh, you had recovered. I, you know, we were watching it on the Jumbotron, so I didn't have a great angle, but it looked to me like um, th- there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. it. From my perspective, it didn't look like he touched the ball from where I was looking. Now, again, that was wrong. He obviously touched the ball. Um but uh, we we had a pool reporter. Shout out to my friend Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World, who doggedly pursued getting a uh, a pool reporter. Uh, that was like her mission after the game, and she did. Um, so we got a statement from Reggie Smith, the uh, the referee, and he claimed that uh, that the reason that uh, they that the that it was ruled illegal touching, he cited the rule that says that it's only not illegal touching if you're blocked into someone. And I got to tell you, man, I've watched that play a bunch of times. I think I think a Kansas State player uh, blocked Trajan Bridges into that ball. I think that um, I will never say that, oh, you got screwed out of that game because, again, I don't think there's any way to know what would have happened after that. Um, yeah, it's not like if they received the onside's kick, they would have won the football game. It's There's not. Yeah, it's do. not like that resulted in points directly resulted in points or anything. Right. You know, just automatically they were going to get seven points. Um, but but I do think that was the wrong call. I think that you know you watch that play and I it it looks to me like maybe that was the wrong call. So uh, you know I don't know kind of what the national perspective on that is. I certainly don't think that's an excuse. Oh, you should have never been in that position in the first place. Um, but I, I think that OU fans are right to think that that was the wrong call. I think they're wrong to think that's why they lost, if that makes sense. It, it certainly does make sense. And, and I'm glad you, you wanted to dive deeper in the conversation. I think in the, in the back end of the pod is, is a perfect spot for it uh, because um, the last thing that I want to do on the show is, is bitch about officiating. You know, I, I think that is uh, when it comes to a 40, you know, or excuse me, a 60-minute football game and when you are – you're thinking about it. You know the situation, Jason. I mean, you could bitch about officiating after every single loss, every single program has. But in this scenario, in this scenario, the first thing that I want to do, the first thing that I want to do is I want to take a hard look at the ESPN broadcast. And what I thought they did was shameful. They they put two replays up on the screen, and they said, these two cameras have been synced and this is what the the referee is looking at anybody in their right mind realized ESPN didn't sync up the two shots 
perfectly. The, the shot on the right was lagging about a second or two behind the shot on the left. And they made a mistake and a big time mistake. It was never addressed. It was never said that it was wrong. They presented it as fact and they were 100% wrong. So first thing I need to say is that the TV production crew really screwed the pooch in the most important time of the football game. That's number one. Number two is I firmly believe, and this is just me, that the officials did not know the rule about blocking into while they were making the call. Yeah. I don't think they did. I think it's an after the fact get out of jail free card that somebody found deep into a, a rule book, a, a play that, that never the blocking. I, I didn't know about that rule. Did you, did it come to my, no, well, uh, after the play was over? Did, did you say to yourself, Oh, you can't get blocked into it. No, no, I didn't. Uh, Nobody honestly, did. I, I didn't. But th- the problem though with that is, is that, yeah, you can manufacture an explanation for why after the fact, but they're still wrong. Like they can say, well, here's why, because uh, he wasn't blocked into him, but you can see that he was, I mean, he no, just, he, he did get blocked into him. I agree with you. I, we are in agreement here. And, yeah. And, and that's why I think we could have easily started the show, Jason, by saying Oklahoma got screwed. Let's bitch about officiating for the next 40 minutes, but I won't I do that. Just like, no, I, don't I just don't think you think will. Yeah, no, I just don't think it's worth the listener's time. I mean, because no matter what we say or do or no matter what Oklahoma wants to do about that situation, when you look back in the history books, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, the score is 48 to 41 Kansas State. Well, yeah, that's right. And the other thing uh, that I'll say is OU, uh, OU fans have a little bit of PTSD on this because there was a very, very famous onside kick. Uh, where a call went completely against OU uh, 13 years ago in Eugene, Oregon. And that is one instance. See, I, I am I'm totally with you. I do not think that you can ever, or I think you can rarely say that a team lost because of one call. I, I, I definitely agree with that. However, that Oregon game is one exception for me because that game was over if that was called correctly. And it was not just, they didn't just miss the call. They missed, they missed it horrendously badly. They said that, oh, you had touched the ball before 10 yards. They hadn't. They said that Oregon had recovered the ball. They hadn't. Alan Patrick was standing there holding it. Um, and then later there was a really bad pass interference call on the touchdown drive. So that is one, that is one instance where I will say that, that the officials, Definitely cost, and OU fans are thinking about that probably because they they still have a little bit of PTSD from the uh, from the Oregon game when it comes to onside kicks on the road. But this is not the same. This that that Oregon game, if that was called correctly, OU gets the ball, runs the clock out, and wins that game. Whereas yesterday, if that was called correctly, OU gets the ball, but there is no guarantee they go down and score a touchdown. So that's my very long winded way of saying uh, I agree with you. I don't think that I think. Almost always, you cannot blame officials uh, for the outcome of a game, and I do not think that you can from yesterday either, even though it was the wrong call. He's Jason Kersey. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jason Kersey. You can also follow all of his work if you're an Athletic subscriber. Uh, just go to theathletic.com, search Jason Kersey, or search Oklahoma Sooners. You'll find a landing page where all of Jason's great work um, is available to you for 40% off an annual subscription. If you're not already a subscriber, it's the out, it's the athletic.com slash the outside world. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on 
air. What do you got planned for us this week? What's on the budget? How are you going to spend the next two weeks off an Oklahoma loss? Uh, I think that might change up your writing schedule a little bit. It does, and that's why I, I don't exactly know what we're going to do this week. Um, I'm going to do another mailbag this week. Haven't done one of those in a while, and this feels like a good time uh, to, to definitely do a big, a big, big mailbag for the bye week. Um, you know, some other things, talk, talking to my editor uh, about still trying to sort of sort all that out. I don't want to make any promises, but certainly the loss changed things. I had a, I had a story or two planned for this week that I'm not going to do this week. I'm going to push back. Um, because I don't think that people want to read, uh, <laughs> I don't think that people want to read things like what I was going to do this week, this week after a loss. Fair. That's absolutely fair enough. So we'll look forward to that. Um, on the athletic this week, you can catch a subscriber only edition of the outside world later this week as well. Uh, maybe worth answering some of those mailbag questions on the show. Um, if, if sooner fans are, are, are feeling a little bit questionable about their squad and, and need, need, need Jason's you need your help, Jason. I think this would be maybe a good opportunity to answer some questions on the pod later this week. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, here's the deal that mailbag I'm expecting a lot out of, out of, out of uh, my dear subscribers. I bring it, bring the questions and uh, you know, maybe I'll do some of them on the pod, some of them in, in writing, you know, maybe, you know, well, I don't know. We, we can, uh, we can experiment a little bit with that. That sounds great. Yeah, a lot of different options. Uh, but as always, Jason, it's it's my pleasure um, hanging out with you, talking uh, OU football, and um, I appreciate you carrying me on this pod. Oh, hey, man. Uh, thanks so much for, for being part of it. It's a lot of fun. We'll talk to you soon.